If they had lived in Old Testament times, they would have undoubtedly been stoned or mauled by bears. If they had lived in the time of Jesus, he would have rolled his eyes at them endlessly as he exercised their demons. If they had lived during the Reformation, Martin Luther would have nailed his 95 Thesis to their foreheads. But lo and behold, here we are, and somehow, each of them is responsible for leading the church in a different way. There's Kendall, the youth minister and mustache expert. Hunter, the rookie youth minister with the hair of Absalom. Coach Rhodes, a pre-youth minister whose observations leave you wondering why. And Brandon, who's abandoned his youth ministry roots and is now largely useless. It's the Practical for the Pew podcast. Yay! All right. Thanks, Justin, our big voice guy. Uh, we're back. We were on a hiatus for a few weeks for undisclosed reasons, uh, but we are back with part three of the book that we've been reading, and we've added a new element. If you're watching, we've been reading this, The Insanity of Obedience by Nick Ripkin. Uh, it's been a challenging book. It's been a fun book. Uh, and we're excited to talk about uh, part three today, which is called Reaching Grandma and the Rest of the Family. Uh, but before we dive in, uh, for those of you listening, uh, I want us to go ahead and uh, introduce ourselves so you can maybe recognize our voice. Uh, I'm Brandon. I'm Kendall. I am Coach Rhodes. And Hunter's muted. So that's, oh, no, that's a great start. Yeah. I, I didn't see that I was muted. I am Hunter. I thought I was talking and uh, I was not. So I am Hunter. Very cool. Uh, for those of you that have listened to our first few episodes, uh, we totally plan on putting this on YouTube so you can watch. Uh, there may be some inside jokes as we make faces at each other and Kendall tries to eat off camera but remains on camera. Uh, but yeah. Well, we're going to dive in. Uh, Nick Ripken sums up this part of the book by saying part three describes how faith grows from small groups of believers into succeeding generations. Uh, and so we're going to discuss a few of these chapters and we're going to start with big takeaways. And as usual, we didn't plan or talk about this at all. So I'm going to put one of these guys on the spot and we'll see what happens. Um Kendall, you're always the most prepared. <laughs> so why don't you give us a big takeaway um, to get us started? Okay, so I'm learning that in every group of people that I like earlier, there was a, a group today, church camp meeting with all the pastors from the church camp. And they all made these comments like I don't read the email chain and that I don't know the different things that we're planning for for camp and it might be possible that i don't read the email chain but i don't appreciate the the slander towards me irregardless i don't want to go first <laughs> someone someone else take my someone else go first that was a long way to get to you're not gonna do it uh Rhodes, uh as kendall mentioned before we started recording you're very dapper you're very together today Let's bring your professionalism uh, to the show. Yeah, you know, always show up on time, always prepared. So um, one thing that I really 
think that sometimes we aren't willing to do, and um, it's, it's an idea involved in part three, is that um, we need to be involved with messy people. We have to understand that, hey, I'm messy. They're going to be messy too, but their messy may be like way more messy than what I can even fathom. And if we're going to seek the lost, if we're going to hang out with the lost, if we're going to let the lost live with us and like be disciples uh, for them, then we have to understand that there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen that we're going to be like, uh-uh, like you can't, you can't be doing that as a as follower of Jesus. And you're just going to have to bring them along and just understand that they are going to be messy. And I think that is a big, a big takeaway because a lot of times in life, we can get, um, we can be hypocritical. Um, we can be like the Pharisees. We can, um, oh, you're doing that. But, you know, we can't see, we don't see it in our own heart, what, what we're going through. And so um, I think that is something that we definitely need to be made aware of is that, hey, you're going to be messing with messy people. So get used to it. Very nice. Uh, Hunter, do you have a takeaway? Yeah, uh, my my biggest takeaway um, was out, out of this chapter was knowing how different we are um, in the Western culture, um, knowing where you're at, knowing your community that you're in, and you have to know your people. Um, he he talks about just being how we, which we know this as Americans, we're very individualistic. Um, we like things our way. We want it to go how we want it to go. At the end of the day. We want it to be our choice. And uh, that's not how the rest of the world works. And he talks about how communal people are in the rest of the world. And uh, just to read this quote, he says, communal people, which include most of the people of the earth, would rather go to hell with their families than to go to hell to get than to go to heaven by themselves. So um, just just seeing um, how different we are and knowing the context that we are living in. Um, it's hard to get people on, um, that wavelength to say, we're in this together. Cause most people, you know, we, we look at 356 million here in the United States and, um, however many, what we can, we consider the West with, with Europe and everything, but everywhere else it's, it's all communal and, uh, we aren't good at that. Yet that's what we're called to, and that's what we read in scriptures. We don't really see any individuals um, taking heed and leading an entire community on on their will. And if they do, it doesn't go well. Very nice. Um, and do you want to go next? Me go next? You want to go next? You want me to go next? Either way. I was just going to say I felt bad because Rhodes gave his um, – you know, big takeaway. And I was just like, okay, cool. Hunter next. Uh, <laughs> but I think if we all give our takeaways and then we'll come back and uh, discuss them more thoroughly. So I'm not ignoring your um, takeaway roads. Well, I'll, I'll just say for, for me um, now, for those of you at home, I don't know why y'all's books, when you show it, I can read it, but mine is reversed. I don't know what that's about, but um, that's called, the- that's, that's how cameras work. That's in the white. But why does yours, yours doesn't do that? Because it's a camera. Okay. So I don't understand that. But I will say that um, for those of you at home that might have forgot or don't 
know exactly what this book is about. It is about uh, missionary work, um, specifically um, in other countries across the world. And that is a good context for the chapter that I kind of, that really stuck with me, which is how to deal with Judas. Um, that was a really eye-opening chapter for me and a challenging chapter um, because this chapter talks about how in these Muslim communities, it, they'd be growing Jesus and it'd be awesome. And then all of a sudden they'd get found out and all these Christians would be uh, under persecution again is because one of the people within those meetings was actually um, betraying them and finding out who was um, Christian and let and put in on these websites and these terrorist groups and everything. And, and that was something that I never really even thought about that I was um, astounded by. Um, and then, you know, it talked about how every group of believers is going to have a Judas and those Judases are going to look different. And that was something that was really, I don't know why Matt and Hunter are laughing, but it's typical when I talk, but, um, that was something that was really, um, eye-opening to me. One of the things he had six things on how to deal with Judas and the third one, and this one was, um, kind of a gut wrencher. <clears throat> With God's help, we can choose to deal with Judas ourselves and not choose to export him to others. Um, every church, maybe it's not necessarily a Judas, but someone who's difficult, someone that um, that is just we would sometimes wish they that we didn't have to deal with. Um, sometimes we do export them to other groups because, oh, well, as long as they don't hurt our group or don't affect us. But I love how it says, no, that's not our job. We don't want to hurt other communities. We're supposed to take them on. And through taking them on, through loving the Judas, that people actually see Jesus more in that. And so that was really eye-opening and challenging to think about what does a Judas look like in, in American eyes? That's good stuff. Um and like I said, we'll come back and, and break and flesh each one of these out uh, here in a minute. Uh, the one that stuck out to me um, in chapter 13, uh, more barriers, uh, additional barriers. Uh, on 182, Ripken writes, for a variety of reasons, many believers simply choose to remain silent about their relationship with Jesus. And then it goes on to say, this disease epidemic in the West is an obvious barrier to faith spreading to a next generation. Um, this is, uh, he calls it uh, an epidemic, which uh, interesting, you know, he wrote this how many years ago, and now that term is a whole new meeting. Um, but this is an obvious barrier, uh, but it's amazing how ingrained it is into uh, so many people and so many churches. Uh, and it reminds me of the quote that um, is often attributed to Francis of Assisi, even though apparently it's not uh, according to my quick Google search. Um, but somebody said, uh, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I that um, was of a sissy. Uh, uh, apparently a lot of people do, but uh, it's, it's not him. Dang. But anyways, um, I think that is like a cop-out and so many people uh, just think if I do... Uh, enough good deeds, if, if I'm polite, if I help people out, if I do all these things, uh, that'll be enough. But it reminds me of Romans 10, uh, starting in verse 14. How then will they call on him 
who they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Um, and it goes on, but uh, yeah, it's an epidemic. That, that's a good term uh, for uh, this silence about our faith. Uh, something that we need to address for sure. So we've heard each other's takeaways. Uh, hopefully we've had a chance to think a little bit about them. Uh, so Rhodes, uh, you were talking uh, about my other big takeaway. I, I was on the fence which one I was going to go to, but I love that idea of lost people uh, and they're messy. So are we willing to roll up our sleeves and get to know them? And guess what? When you're dealing with messy people, your life gets messy too. Uh, so what do you think uh, we can do? What steps can we take uh, to, I don't know, bridge that gap? Um, how can we better connect with messy lost people? Well, we have to first off understand that we ourselves um, are in need of in need of Jesus. We ourselves are messy people. Um, if we can't understand that, then we won't be able to understand messy people. Um, because when I look at my life, and I'm sure you guys do the same when you look at your lives, you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm offered grace because I don't deserve it," you know. And so. Um, I think we just got to be able to see, you know, look at our lives and, and see, hey, I need it and you, you need it too. And so if, if Jesus is willing to be patient with me, then I can be patient with you. And I know it's a lot easier said, a lot easier said than done, but it's one of those things that you're going to have to um, break that down and then take steps toward action for that. Yeah, Matt, I... Uh... I want to piggyback off what you're saying almost identically. Um, a mutual friend of ours, of all of ours, uh, John Scott was texting me the other day. He said, what do youth workers need to be equipped with to effectively minister to teenagers? And so I thought of four things that I, I knew. I knew that these four things are what youth workers need to be equipped to effectively minister. Uh, I won't get into that because that's not what we're talking about, but the fourth thing that I that I had on that list was that every youth worker and therefore every Christian needs to know first and foremost on a basic basic level, almost like a childlike level, right? And I think there's a reason why Jesus calls us to childlike faith that we need to know that we are loved right where we're at in our present moment, and that God doesn't love us more um, now than He did when we were worse. Or he's going to love us more in the future than we are now. But he loves us right where we're at. If we can understand that in our own lives, then it's a lot easier to extend that grace and that love to someone else, which is basically, Matt, what you were saying. So if I can understand that as a youth worker, and I'm using this perspective, I can understand that as a youth worker, um, that I am loved right where I'm at then um, I'm able to love the transgender kid that comes in the youth group that I do not understand his background whatsoever because I've never been around that because God loves me right where I'm at. So then I can extend that love to that student. I can love the person that comes into my church. Uh, if I know that I'm loved where I'm at, I, then when a woman who comes into my church who's had an abortion, I can love her right where she's at because I understand it in my own life. And I can extend it to her. So I think it's really important when we're dealing with messy people to understand 
that we are messy too. Might we might be so used to our mess that we don't think that it's messy, but it still is messy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Matthew, the the part you're kind of referencing, I want to give um, a little bit of diction to it, is um, this part where it's talking about messy people and where they're coming from. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm happy I'm the one that's going to be able to say it because oftentimes it feels like I'm harping against um i'm harping against america at all odds or at least people that's what their perception is of me um but more it's an allegiance issue and uh that that being beside the point uh he's saying we got to work with messy people and he's talking about um people of muslim faith people from islam background and he's talking about women in this spot that the way that their societies ran is very patriarchal. It's very men dominant and something we have right, um, or at least we're closer to understanding from scripture is how men and women operate. And um, just on what Matt was saying, when it comes to messy people, I just want to say a kudos to, to where we're at in society that, you know, we, we aren't necessarily a patriarchal or a matriarchal. It, it's, we see what servitude is in Christ and we take that into our relationship, even though divorce rates are over 50% um, in, in the church by the Barna group study. Um, that's beside the point that we can at least enter in and have these relationships. And he, and he sums it up to say the only way to um, be with these messy people is letting them enter into what you're doing. Um, bring them into your house um, have dinner with them, show them the way that you and your family operate, not that the wife does everything or that the man does everything. It is a servant to, to who you are and how you live your life. And so uh, that's where he's coming from. And, and I'm glad to say that, that, that that's how we operate in society, that it, it is a little bit different. We're not dominant and we're not demeer, demeaning. Very nice. Uh, the only thing I'll add, uh, something that my wife says frequently, uh, I'll have to tell her that I quoted her on here because she won't listen. Uh, that's why our sign off is thanks mom for listening. But anyways, um, Katie says quite often, we can't judge non-Christians like they're Christians. Um, there's, there's a standard that we hit uh, when we follow Jesus, you know, we have to hold each other accountable. We push each other in discipleship and uh, accountability and, and try to be more like Jesus, but non-Christians, they don't have a standard. <laughs> if we simply love them, oh yeah, very nice. Uh, if we love them, uh, Hunter, if you use a Sharpie, we can read it easier. I've got some if you need some. If we simply uh, love people where they are, um, and kind of like what you were Kindle saying, you know, what we uh, take comfort and peace in in the love that we have and God loving us where we are and extend that to other people. Um, then as we invite them into our homes, they see how we live, they see how we interact um, eventually. Uh, and, you know, that kind of goes against what my big takeaway was, uh, but eventually they'll ask the question and we'll get to speak truth into their life and show them who Jesus really is. And then we change our standard of how they need to behave around us. Uh, and we slowly get them out of the messiness uh, and more into a Christ-like life. Kendall? Yeah, something something along those lines that I've been noticing uh, this year um, is 
like you said, and so true. We cannot hold standards, um, Christian standards over people who don't know Christ. But we tend to do that. And we've done that a lot in America recently. And what we do within that too, is we vilify, we see, we see things like abortion or things like that, that are wrong biblically. And anyone who's for that, we almost vilify them and forget they're not the enemy. Right. And that goes back to loving ourselves and and loving the grace God's given us so that we understand it's extended to all people that no one's evil. And when we start to, when we start to write people off as evil or as bad people, then we're putting God in the box and limiting God's grace to them. It's not that they're evil or bad. It's that they don't know Christ yet and know his goodness and know what his goodness looks like if it were to be played out in their life. And I think that is something that's really important for us to understand because um, no one is bad. They're all just, we're all just messy and need Jesus to recorrect our worldview, need Jesus to recorrect our hearts. And when we start to look at people and say, well, since they don't live up to this Christian standard, they're bad or they're evil or, you know, whatever, then we write them off and we realize, and we might not even realize it, but we're no longer extending grace to them and have lost our opportunity to witness to them. Very nice. Coach Rhodes, last word for your topic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically, you know, it it sounds easier a lot of times than what it is because it's gonna take it's gonna take patience. It's gonna take willingness to to after a day of work to, instead of, you know, watching TV or, or, you know, hanging out by yourself, you and your wife or you and your kids or you by yourself, like you're going to have to be like, Hey, yo, you want to come over? You want to come watch, watch the game with me and hang out. And then and I, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take um, maybe you going over to someone else's house. Like it's going to be, it's going to be something like that. Like you can't, you're going to have to hang out with people. You're going to have to live life with people for that, for that to work. And so um, hopefully you're committed to that. Hopefully you're um, wanting to do that and, and um, hopefully it all works out. So we can move on to um, the next topic. Okay. Uh, Hunter, you brought up community uh, or the lack thereof uh, in the West Uh, One thing I appreciate about Rifkin's book is, yeah, it is about mission work and all that, but all of these subjects are so easily transferable to um, life right here in the Midwest, you know, so uh, talk to us a little bit more about community and and what we need to do to correct that. Uh, I think kind of a a mixture of what I said with Matt's and and what what I was talking about um, when it came to what community looks like, we kind of just have to do it. Um, we kind of just have to take a step. Um, you know, if, if Nike was here and if, if we were sponsored and, um, we'd appreciate that sponsorship and, and if they were there, we would, we would say, just do it. Uh, so, so just jump into your community. Um, it's, it, it seems harder than it is, but it's really not. Yeah. People, people suck, but guess what? Um, just do it. Uh, really in, in, uh, not to quote or misquote someone, but, you know, Jerry Stiller always said, just do it, just do it. And I think that's where uh, Nike got there. And I'm a little off topic now. I, I got caught up and just do it. But I want to say again, just do it. Jump, jump in the community, live, live life. With First the- off, 
with the people around you. <laughs> when did Jerry Stiller ever say just do it first off? I meant Ben Stiller, his son. My apologies. Oh, makes more sense. Yeah. Second of all, second uh-huh. of all, can we just make a promo and, and just have five seconds where Hunter goes, yeah, people suck. <laughs> that be our promo. <laughs> yeah, people suck. But 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 truly, truly, truly. Um, am I wrong? Truly, <laughs> truly, he's gonna truly, say truly. to us. <laughs> Pe- people do suck. We can all acknowledge that people suck, but we all suck together. <laughs> stop, just stop. Hey, I'll try to say truly truly. <laughs> so combining you and uh Rhodes's takeaway. Uh, if we realize that we're all on the same mission, uh, we're all here to uh, bring or make the kingdom of God known uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, if we do that in community and as a community interact with messy people, uh, that makes that interaction easier. Uh, it keeps us on task and on mission. Uh, it keeps us accountable uh, where we can uh, you know, keep each other in check uh, as we're involved in messy people's lives. Um, man, community. There's there's a lot to be said about it, and uh, the power of it for sure. Well, I I think we we have to in America in Westernize. We have to um, get away from individualistic faith. That is not how it was meant. That's not how it is. Um, and they, that's I think even dangerous. We we are a, a corporate. Um, entity we are a unit we are one community we are one body um all together and um the 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 chase the pursuit for individuality um has been has had good things that have come with it in america but have distanced us in our faith to make us feel like our relationship with jesus is just mono mono when it's not and so when one suffers in the body we all suffer when one is when one is exalted or exalting God, we are all in that together. Um, and when we have that mindset, I do think it goes hand in hand with Matt. I do think it's easier to extend grace. I do think it's easier um, to love one another. Why? Because we understand I'm not in this on alone. In this alone, when I uh, when you are doing great, I am doing great. When when we're only as good as our weakest link, right? And I think we really, really, really have to start pushing back to that of, and this is the year to do it with, uh, we had six people at our Sunday morning church service um, because everyone's getting COVID, everyone's quarantined, everyone's scared of it. And rightfully so with the numbers going up. So, you know what the perfect time for this year is small group ministry, getting together in small groups and, and understanding at a smaller level, how important this unified, this community aspect is till we can come back as a whole church and say, look at us all being one because we learned it in our small groups. Um, Brandon, that's like your bread and butter. That's what you love. And I think that's what it's all about is we're not just our relationship with God. It's all of us together. Something I want to add to that um, before Brandon, you say what you're going to say, but um, Jesus didn't send them out one, one at a time, you know, they weren't sent out one at a time. They went in groups um when paul writes he does not say just me like he's always he's with someone right so when they're going out making disciples they're going with 
other people who are believers to go make disciples. They're not doing it alone. And obviously, even if you are like by yourself, you have the Holy Spirit on your side, right? But like God doesn't doesn't want us to go alone. He wants us to go with others because that community aspect of hey, you're better when you have more together. And and um, it's just better in general. There's there's less hiccup and, and you're just able to you're able to be more determined um, when persecution does come your way. Um, you're able to, there's so much more you're able to do once you have a group of people. Um, you have that team, that team concept. Even God isn't an individual God, right? So obviously he doesn't want us to be individual. Thanks, Hunter. Yes, three. Thank you. Val- valid point. Good job. Good job, Kimmel. <laughs> Just do it. Just hey. do it. Just do it. Hey, one other thing that uh, I would add to this, uh, uh, and Kendall, you kind of hinted at it. I think COVID-19 is like, it's making two drastic ends of this um, problem. Uh, and, and in some people, it's a solution. So with the world shut down and our schedules completely uh, upended, we've freed up time where we can actually have community. The problem is, can we safely have community or do so uh, and feel uh, safe? And so I think some of us will emerge from this and refuse to become so busy again, um, the way we were pre-pandemic and allow ourselves a lot of buffer in our schedule where we can actually live in community. Um, But I fear that other people, the isolation and being alone and everything they might have either found themselves too comfortable in that or are just you know anti not anti-community but i mean they just can't see themselves coming into community again and so i think we have two uh polar opposites uh, into the spectrum Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we emerge from this and and like you said and of course you know shameless plug i i think small groups uh, are definitely uh, vital for our emergence uh, and the resurgence uh, of the church going forward. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out over the next few months and years. Um, anything else you want to add, Hunter? Last words since it was your topic? Just do it. Just do it. All right. Uh, Kendall. If there was a Judas among us, who would it be and why? <laughs> if there was a Judas among us, there's an <laughs> imposter among us. No, but really, though, that's what I thought of during that, that chapter was that imposter. Um, and I think even a lot of Judases don't think they're imposters, right? That's, mm-hmm. I think that's even the essence of Judas himself. I don't think Judas thought he was an imposter. I don't think Judas thought he was a bad guy. I don't think Judas was trying to, to hurt the community. There are some people that are trying to do that. Um, and, and even in America, in our communities, and in our churches. But I think a lot of our Judases are pe- people who have uh, misplaced passion. That um, their passion and their zeal for God is commendable. But the way that it's brought about is actually detrimental to the, to the core of the group. Um, and I think uh, we're seeing that a lot even this year. Are, are we hurting our witness? Are we hurting our communities by a misplaced passion um, that is that is coming out in the wrong ways, right? 
you're being really nice with misplaced passion. Uh, I'm thinking like selfish ambition or just outright pride. I'm trying to be but nice. Maybe, maybe passion is a good way to put it. <laughs> I mean, I'll just be honest. There's people in every church that I've ever been in that, that, uh, I, I, I would call it misplaced passion. I think you call it pride in some situations too, but they are zealous for the Lord, even if it's in a selfish way, but they're missing the broader scheme of what Jesus really came for and what Jesus is trying to do. And I think we're all guilty of that at times. And that was Judas, right? He loved Jesus. I don't think there's any argument there, but he missed the idea of what Jesus was really coming for because what he wanted and what he wanted his Jesus to be was more important than who Jesus really was. And I'll let you fill that in the blank of what America is right now. But I think we can say that many of us Christians are having that same struggle. Hunter, what are your thoughts? I mean, Kendall knows this. I have a lot to say about Judas. Um, and I'm not going to say it because it'd get confusing. Um, but when it comes to Judas's, um that are in our midst kindle hit it right on the nose um they they don't know it most of them do not know it um if they did know it i wouldn't call him judas um i, I don't believe judas understood what he was doing i think he he truly believed um he was prolonging um jesus he thought that he was going to be the literal king physically uh so a lot of things there but brandon you also brought in to the pride like if, if we ever get to that point, and I think this is even for us so that we don't accidentally become a Judas at any point, um, we have to check ourselves. Am I moving closer to Jesus or am I moving further away? Is this for the kingdom or is this for me? Um, and, and it all is rooted within this individualistic, this, um, I'm, this me and Jesus attitude. If it's just me and Jesus, why do I have to care about anybody else? And so um, I think that we can all kind of come close to that and be very aware, be hypersensitive of, of where we're at to be able to push, push forth the gospel. It's about other people, not us. Well, and, and let's, let's think for a second. Yeah. Discipleship, right, Brandon? Let's think for a second. How, oh, Judas was one. how embarrassed do you think Judas was? Oh, when, you, show, you, you saw when Jesus. Yeah. When Jesus goes, I have, I have these angels I can send down here. I have the power. And Judas like, yes. That's, that's why I'm doing this. And Jesus goes, but I'm not going to. And can you imagine how embarrassed? I mean, no wonder Judas committed suicide. Judas had this embarrassment, this guilt. And I think other Judases too in our communities, when they become, uh, when their eyes are open to their blindness, when they are open to what they were doing and how they maybe were um, pushing Jesus in the wrong way, um, I think they're embarrassed too. And I think our job is to give them grace and love and be ready to help them through that grieving process. Because yeah. I think Judas was grieving that he, he lost the Jesus he thought was Jesus and he had to accept this new Jesus. And that was very hard. And I think the Judases in our lives and our communities are going to have the same effect. And we need to be ready to love them and not go, I told you so, or you suck or anything like that, but to come around them and, and, and help them through that. Rhodes, do you have any thoughts on Judas? 
Um, my only thought, which it kind of kind of goes into part four too, when we do when we do that podcast, but um, um, like your tattoo that you have, Brandon. So if I don't know if you want to show up to the screen, but um, I have to be less. Um, Jesus has to be more, and so um, and it, and it sucks, and it and it's tough, and it's uh, a struggle. It's a struggle. Like how to how to let go and let God and let God move and let Jesus move. And so that's something you're just going to have to work on and pray about and be in the scripture and just um, follow him. And that's all I really, I mean, I, I can't describe on how you do it. You just got to, you just got to keep plugging away and keep, keep getting better and, and pursuing him and giving, giving up um, more of you each day. And um, it's tough, but it's one of those things that you're just going to have to have to be willing to do. That reminds me of my small group, uh, small group that met last night. Um, we we're going through Colossians 3, and in the message, I, I like uh, the translation of verse probably 13, somewhere in there, because, you know, the message is weird. Uh, it says, be even-tempered, content with second place. Uh, and I just kind of like the, the simplicity of that, but it's, you know, be content to take a back seat uh, and let other things be more important and uh maybe Jesus be more important. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thought that goes along with what you were saying, Rhodes. It's simplistic because uh, the message doesn't count. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I heard enough of that from my group last night. The thing I, I would add, uh, I like um, Ripken's train of thought. Uh, on 198, he writes that Judas is likely to be found where there's a new movement of God's spirit. Um, I think we get lulled to sleep a little bit. Uh, we think everybody's in the church. Um, everyone's like-minded. We all want the same thing. And in reality, uh, you know, I don't know if we can get a group of 10 people to be like-minded and all striving for the same thing, let alone my church that's I don't know, we're around 300, I think, after COVID that are meeting physically and there's more online. Um, you know, how do we keep everybody going in the same direction, pursuing the same goal and being second place, uh, decreasing so that Jesus can increase? Uh, I think it's it's really easy to get pulled in different directions and, and a Judas emerge. Uh, so we should kind of have our guard up uh, at all times. Um, and if they're isn't a judas in our midst for a while maybe we should ask ourselves why mm. and can i i want to add one more thing honestly um mm. i i had this thought the other day and i feel like i feel like my heart has been hardening in some realm and i'm like that's not good you know because like if your heart's hardening then you're not open to um, others you're not open to uh, what other people are going through and so that's something where I had to pray how like God soften my heart so that, you know, I'll, I'll have empathy for those you know, who are struggling. So I'll have, I'll, I am able to empathize with them because I think um, once your heart starts hardening, if you continue in that, eventually um, you might, you know, become a Judas or become someone who is um, hardened to the gospel or hardened to um, loving people or to, being in community with people to try to, to try to seek and, and save the lost. 
I think uh, I think youth groups, youth ministries have a lot of Judases um, by accident. I don't think they're on purpose, but um, a lot of kids are being taught by the culture 24-7, and they come into youth group. Uh, I have some specific situations in my youth group right now, some Judases that I'm not going to get into detail, obviously. Um, if you guys or anyone wants to call me that's watching this and wants to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, that's great, uh, and how we're doing with that, but these kids come into these things and they want Jesus, but they don't want to get rid of what they've known culturally. And so then they're actually trying to influence the whole group to change their view of who Jesus is so that they can be justified in their duality. Does that make sense? And so I think coming alongside them and also teaching our church to be gracious with those uh, students is very difficult. And, and, uh, not a bad thing at all it's a fun challenge but it it's hard to figure out how do we navigate that very nice brandon let's move to you all right um yeah the the silence of our faith and uh as ripken called it the epidemic of that uh in the west uh in the american church uh it's interesting to me uh it's it's a faux pas to talk about um, the Christian religion uh, in the workplace, uh, in public and all this. Uh, and yet we can talk about uh, the religion of politics. We can talk about um, new age things. Uh, we can talk about uh, all these other things, but we can't talk about Christianity uh, for whatever reason society has labeled that as offensive. And I think for far too long, we've bought into that as the church, uh, and we've, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we preach at all times, and only when necessary do we use words, and that turns into we never use words. Uh, we just act like good people and hope that people will see why we're different. Um, so I, I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I don't know how we change that. Um, maybe you guys have some insights, but um how can we go about being strategic uh being um much more open about our faith uh and Rhodes, you might be the person to start because you're the only one that's actively working in a secular job um i've spent some time there but not recently well this is something i kind of struggle with um honestly and i've talked to you guys about it before but Teachers are just as needed Jesus as students are, you know, and so like I see I'm, I'm around teachers all the time and I'm like, you know, you need you need Jesus, but I, I, I struggle with I struggle with when is the opportune time to come up with a conversation about that, you know, like, um, I think people know, hey, they know, uh, hey, I go, I know I go to church, so that, you know, I I mean, I did FCA last year, so, um, which, I mean, there's, there's things like that, that, like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, he's, he's believes in God, believes in Jesus, but there's, I've wanted to have some conversations, I just haven't, haven't brought them up yet, because I just, it's one, one of those things that I struggle with, is like, when is, a, when is a proper time to, to um, be like, hey, you know, what do you think about this, like, do you believe in Jesus, do you believe in, do you believe in, you know, 
And it's one of those things like I shouldn't be nervous about bringing those up, but I am in some realm um, just because it's uncomfortable for me, which is the thing about, hey, we need to be uncomfortable. But at the same time, I'm like, well, is God putting it on my heart to to do this? And so um, obviously we have to be we have to be in prayer to be like, hey, God, give us opportunities to to share the gospel today, to, to talk about you. And um, we have to be able to take those when they're there. And so that's something that obviously you have to build a relationship too. Like if you're just meeting someone for the first time or had very few conversations, it may not be ideal to, to, you know, bring that into it. But once you get closer with the person and, you know, um, you guys feel like you can have meaningful conversation and, you know, you can bring up something like that. Hey, listen, I know you're struggling, but I know someone who's greatly impacted me. And I don't know if you believe in Jesus, but, I can tell you what he's done for me, you know, and it sounds a lot easier coming right there um, saying it in front of you guys. than it does for me um, doing it because I not very few times have I, you know, had that. I mean, I've had a conversation with my friends and stuff before about, Hey, what do you believe? And, you know, we talk about that and, and, you know, non-believing friends too. And so we have conversation. I tell them, well, yeah, I mean, this is what I believe. And um, I, I want you to believe that too, but um, obviously you're on your own time whatever you decide you're going to end up doing but it's it's something that I struggle with so I'm not the most ideal person to talk to but about it but um these people are for sure um, in need of the gospel and obviously we know that but um, I see it every day so. yeah. I something that he he kind of touched on that I think I think we all um need more of and uh we don't use it enough and that's prayer. I think in all these situations, uh, just pray. Uh, we got to use prayer more often. I mean, we've been told we have the Holy Spirit and how lucky we are and how powerful we are to um, have that um, in our wheelhouse. And I know I don't do it enough. And it's something I've been pushing a lot more, um, really slowing down and going deeper. But uh, when you start having those conversations with God, uh, conversations become much easier. And I'm not, Matt, you know, I'm not coming at you at that. I'm saying this is for anybody that's listening. Um, you want to see a change in your life. You want to see someone change in your life. Um, you got to start with prayer. You got to start with having that um, inner dialogue and um, open communication with God. It's always open. We just got to do it more. I, I learned, I started catching that I was getting very anxious um, and I'm a very social person. I was getting very anxious anytime I was around people. I think it's part of the job because um, you just never know what you're going to deal with. And um, a prayer that just started happening that I don't even think I was aware of for a month or two that I was even praying. It was like when I was interacting with someone or someone asked me a spiritual question or any type of question in my head, I was immediately going, God, give me the grace and the wisdom and the discernment for this conversation. And give me peace all the time. And I never, I, it, it was probably a couple of months that went by before I even noticed I was praying that every time I was with people. And it really did give me the peace uh, that surpassed the understanding of the situation, you know? And, and I think you're right, Hunter. Um, prayer is so powerful. Um, God's going to do what he wants to do. God's in con control. God is um, almighty and, and all powerful, but prayer, prayer that is being interceded on by God is, you don't want to underestimate that. Um, I love that focus on prayer that you guys have been talking about, and that is absolutely crucial. 
Uh, the other thing I think of, going back to Colossians 3, uh, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, and then it goes on teaching and admonishing each other. Uh, but I feel like if we knew our Bibles well enough to tell it like a story, uh, and we've talked about this in previous sections of the book, um, the orality of scripture, uh, how many times are we sitting around talking to people and we're like, oh man, I was watching uh, Dexter last night and this happened. Um, oh, I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to watch Dexter or not. I just out <laughs> myself. Um, but I mean, you know, what's stopping us if the, if the word of Christ is dwelling richly within us, uh, what's wrong with saying, you know, somebody's talking to you about doubts and uncertainty and you're just like, oh man, there's this great story about this guy named Gideon who had no clue if he was really doing the right thing. And so he started to, uh, uh, pray and he asked God to put dew around his fleece. And, you know, we just tell the story. Uh, and then people are like, what in the world are you talking about? And, you know, open doors that way. Uh, cause we, we tell stories all the time. We just choose to focus on Netflix or, uh, whatever else. Uh, and I, think that, I think the TV show Chosen is showing that people want that. Like, I, I hate Christian media. Sorry, mom, but I do. I hate, I hate Caleb. I hate uh, all, all movies, Christian. They all suck. Uh, just like people suck, Hunter said, so does Christian media. But uh, The Chosen, I was getting told to watch it for months. And finally, during quarantine, I watched it. Amazing. Why? Because it's a story. It's it's intriguing, and I think yeah, you're right, Brandon. If we if we jumped into it and didn't say didn't quote scripture and just said, hey, this reminds me of a story, that's going to keep people engaged. Because sometimes yeah. you get you get glossy eyes when you say, well, that reminds me of of First Samuel chapter three. You know, they get glossy eyes if you yeah. just if you just say it. Yeah, I like that. I this is what I told my uh, kids in youth group uh, back in the olden days when I was in youth ministry. Uh, they always want to ask how far they can go, right? Like, can I watch this movie? I know it's rated R. Can I, can I watch it? Or can I listen to such and such, you know? And uh, my question uh, was twofold. One, does it make you more or less like Jesus? Uh, and usually that answered the question for them. Uh, and then two, if they got past that one, I'd say, are your friends, you know, watching that or listening to that? Yeah. Okay, can you show them Jesus through that? Uh, because you can if you're creative. Uh, and I know Hunter and I talk about this quite a bit uh, with rock songs. Uh, and my mom calls it devil music. But devil music has more references to scripture than Caleb. Uh, and it's amazing. And a lot of times they're bashing on it, but they're weak. Like sometimes they're weak arguments. Sometimes they're actually crying out and seeking and man, I can sit in my truck with a non-believer and be like, oh my goodness, did you just hear what 10 years just sang about? I mean, it sounds like they're looking for scripture. They're, they're looking for God. Have you ever thought about that? Um, and so making that beeline to the cross, making that beeline back to scripture, whatever that is, uh, from anything. Uh, Do you know how many times I've used Breaking Bad to share the gospel? So many more times than I should be able to or allowed to. <laughs> hey. I like it. Make those beelines. Hunter, did you have something to say? Yeah, I was I was just going to say on the topic of, man, when it comes to, uh, you know, secular things, we want to ostracize it and say, you know, it's not for us. But, you know, we're supposed to be out there in it. Um, you know, we're not supposed to let it embody us, but we're out there in it. 
dude, I'm, like you said, we, we've had many conversations on many songs and we often, I, I send you a song and say, hey, listen to the theological implications that this song has. And what, I mean, we talk about rock music specifically, but man, people are hurting, people are crying out um, and they're using a lot of s- scripture motifs. Um, but when we're so stuck in, you know, not saying that everything can't be happy and giddy, um, but there's a world out there that's hurting. And uh, if we're not doing something about it, man, it's, it's easy to get caught up and, and be in your own lane. It's easy to be individualistic in your own theology. Uh, get out there and be with the people that are messy. Like Matt said, people are messy, but it's worth it. I promise. Do it. Hey, we're always looking for people to sponsor our show. Uh, so 10 years, I'm sure you're listening. I've seen you in concert a few times. Your new album, Violent Allies, is great. You're searching for Jesus. I can hear it. Call us. We'll help you. Give us money. Help us produce this a little bit better. <laughs> Anything else we want to add before we sign off on whatever episode this is? It's been so long, I don't even know. I got one. Hunter, Hunter, it's time for some few names. All right, boys. I don't know if Matthew's laughing over there. I don't know if anybody has any pew news. I know I've got a few. Um, uh, I have some people been asking, uh, not just my mom, but she was one of them. Uh, Some other people in the church just saying, hey, when are you going to do another podcast? I'm like, well, we suck. And so we are finally back. Um, it means that there are people that enjoy it and we want to keep hearing your feedback. We want to be encouraged and pushed. Um, anybody else have any few news for us? Any mostly, just, mostly just questions about uh, when us slackers were going to get back to recording. Yeah. It, it is a lot harder than we would have imagined for all of us to be able to record at the same time. It, it is, um, it is, I like to... It's difficult to have, you know, three of us, three of us there um, and, and always missing one. And, uh, you know, sometimes that happens, but, you know, we'll figure it out. Hey, the dedication shown today, don't pay attention to the sun coming through your windows. It's three o'clock in the morning and we're recording this right now. <laughs> all right. That's all I had. I guess we're signing off. All right. Um, I think, I don't know if this is episode seven or episode eight, whichever one it is. And maybe it's a two-parter. I don't know. But that's it for practical for the Pew podcast. Uh, We want you guys to make sure you subscribe, leave reviews, um, lie if you have to, and give us five stars. It helps other people find our show uh, on whatever platform you listen to. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at Practical Pew. You can find us on Twitter, Practical Pew. We're not active on either one, so it's a great follow. Uh, also, I'm hoping that we are creating a YouTube channel, and that's probably my project for the rest of the day. Uh, so follow us there, like, subscribe, share with your friends, make fun of us. Uh, it's awesome. For Kendall, Hunter, Coach Rhodes, I'm Brandon. As always, we want to say thanks for listening, Mom. <laughs>